This is the Death Dialogues Project podcast. I'm your host, Becky Odd-Jennison, licensed clinical professional counselor, therapist gone rogue, you might say. I'm a U.S. expat living in New Zealand since 2011. Death has had its way with me professionally for years and more recently, very personally. You're probably here because you've danced with death as well. I get it. This grassroots project began with the intention of meeting at the crossroads of art and social action and meaningful connection and the stories we all hold. You can go to www.deathdialogues.net and find out more about the project, our productions, and how it interfaces with the arts and where to follow us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. This project exists on the smell of an oily rag, as the Kiwis like to say. We have zero funding. And what's really important a project like this is word of mouth. If you like what you hear here, please share it with your friends. And if you'd like to contribute to this podcast and project financially, hey, let's talk. We'd love to see it graduate from a labor of love to a supported entity. We're glad you found us, and we sure hope you stick around. Hey there, welcome to today's episode of the Death Dialogues Project podcast. We have had some absolutely beautiful stories told on this podcast with more to come, but it's been a while since I touched base on here, so today you're going to hear from me. I'm Becky, the creator of the Death Dialogues Project. I was exposed to death and the open caskets of strangers from a very young age. And then my first jobs out of high school were working as a nurse's aide in nursing homes. And there it seemed that death danced in the halls deciding who would be next. It was a very common occurrence. Then while I was in nursing school, my father died of a cerebral aneurysm, which Um, he had been aware of because it had leaked three years previously, but he had opted not to have intervention at that time. So we gathered as a family and had to decide to remove him from life support. And that was the first experience of bonding over death within my very immediate family. My work as a nurse and then as a clinical mental health practitioner, a licensed clinical professional counselor, continued to have me working with the dying and bereaved survivors. And in the last years of my work in the States, I conducted some really sacred work with dying cardiac patients called Dignity Therapy. And that is where you tape an interview with the dying person, and that's asking them 10 specific questions. And from that document, you then create a narrative And I would read that back to the client on a one-to-one session. And while this was a labor and emotionally intensive work, it was probably also the most rewarding work of my career. The release and empowerment of people being able to share stories or wishes they might have otherwise gone to their grave with was a beautiful thing to behold. And repeatedly being called an angel by the clientele was just an added bonus. It was such rewarding work. So in 2017, after my soulmate brother's death from a brain cancer, primary CNS lymphoma, 
I was gathering the details and the gumption to create a production of Eve Ensler's The Vagina Monologues for the 20th celebration of V-Day, a worldwide protest of violence against women and children. If you aren't familiar with it, this is a verbatim play, and it's using the words from 200 interviews that Eve conducted with women and non-binary individuals. In a space of the aftermath of walking my dear brother home after his year-long illness, and then the immediate declaration of my 94-year-old, very coherent mother who lived with us, who beckoned my brother to leave the door open for her, our lives were quite immersed in death. She died 10 months after my brother. And no one talks about it. Every day, the people you are rubbing elbows with are either dying or someone close to them is dying or they carry deep mourning that they just don't talk about. In fact, I found the same response with asking to put up flyers that had the word death on them as I did with the flyers that had the word vagina on them. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure that we can put that up. So yeah, my first, our last few years have been combining the arts and social action with the Death Dialogues Project. And it's been a metamorphosis in action. The initial goal was writing and staging a verbatim play using the interviews. And that still is a goal. And our creative consultant, New Zealand actress and thespian Laurel Debony will help me workshop this concept. But in the meantime, we've had a couple other productions the debut and then the evening of stories. And these two stages were so extremely well received with many requests to keep this work rolling. And I'd like to pause and say thank you for all of your support. When we hear that we're reaching one person and people are gaining anything from this work, it means so much to us. And then less than a year ago, I decided to give this podcast a go. I said, I'll try it for a year and we'll see if it fills a need. And so far, we really appreciate your response. I think we have till November before it's a year. But while I'm talking about the work, those kind of things that we're doing, I'd like to mention and give a shout out to New Zealanders that we will be staging the Vagina Monologues again here in Whangarei, and that will be on the 13th and 14th and 15th of Feb in 2020 for V-Day. And we hope to see you there. But today, what I really want to talk about is a term that gets tossed about on the regular in New Zealand, and that is lifestyle. And it wasn't one of those experiences of, oh yeah, people talk about taking lifestyle into consideration with their work, their housing, etc., that I could say, oh, I get it, until I had been immersed in this culture for a few years, and I saw examples of it around me. What was really being referred to with the word, words lifestyle, and the most effective way I can describe it is, what do you want defining your living that isn't wrapped up in material things first? What do you want your day-to-day -day living to look like? And granted, that can look very different for people based on what their income is, but it's not necessarily driven by income, which is the overriding dynamic it feels like in the States. For instance, here, it's perfectly acceptable and accepted 
for people not to go to university and to take their time exploring what it is they want. You may see people who work as baristas and save their money for airline tickets and arrive somewhere else to enjoy themselves a while and then again work in the food industry with the focus being on the hours in between, not the hours of work. And some people travel the world in this manner. Myself, when I compare it to the work in the States and, and the mindset that I was experiencing with my peers and family is that we were living to work more than we were working to live. And the grind was so intensive that many times the lifestyle, quote unquote, was just about recovery. It certainly wasn't the primary focus. The work always seemed to be the primary focus. I consider the focus on the lifestyle in New Zealand a very refreshing perspective. And having a nationalized health program helps this lifestyle concept to be realized. It took me a while to figure that one out. Unlike in the States, you're not forced to work to cover your medical insurance here. When I talk to people here, they are blown away when they learn how so many people are trapped in work that sucks the life out of them because they are afraid of use, losing their medical coverage. And I firmly believe that this has something to do with people's ability to create creatively free float at times. They know if they are struck by an illness or accident, they will not be turned away from care or go thousands or millions of dollars into debt. We live in an area of New Zealand that has the highest ratio of creatives, and I see over and over that people may live off-grid to dive into their creative endeavors without having that overriding medical fear. So if I'm implying there is not anxiety in New Zealand and it's chill as, uh, forgive me for misleading you. Even in this environment of less pressured expectation, there still is a healthy dose of inherent anxiety. But also with that comes more ability to have creative options for a lifestyle that may allow a few more exhales. So we're about death. Why in the world am I baning on about lifestyle? <laughs> well, first, because I got a whisper in my ear to do so, which is just how the Death Dialogues Project rolls. I reckon my brother holds the puppet strings above me with this work because it's just the type of thing he would have been doing had I died first. It almost blew my mind, the idea of speaking about lifestyle, but, and I really considered blowing it off, but I did ponder. And I think it's about encouraging you to really sit with the concept of lifestyle in your day-to-day -day living because a part of our lives is that we all die. And one day you will be faced with death, yours or someone close to you. And the more rushed your lifestyle is, there, I'm going to start throwing that term in, <laughs> the less space you have for connection, compassion, and what I call the real, the parts of life that people talk about on their deathbeds, the wishes they had that they never paused long enough to let come to fruition, the connections with their loved ones, the connection with nature, the creative aspects that they always put on a back burner for later when there's time. How many times have we heard 
people on their deathbeds are not wishing they spent more time working or pursuing higher education or more money or all of those things that fuel extrinsic motivation, those golden stars that we put on our chart. It's really no mystery why modern cultures do not speak of death on the regular. These conversations take time. They take connection. They take the ability to suspend looking at your watch. And most people's lifestyles in this day and age would rather stare at their device than look deeply into someone's eyes and hear what their heart has to say. Our last podcast was a conversation with a young mother of four children whose husband and sister died within hours of each other, unrelated deaths. And she speaks about how many whispers she'd had in her ear, which honestly, you have to wonder if it wasn't the divine preparing her regarding what she would do if her husband died prematurely. And Angela stresses the importance of having conversations about you would want at the end of life, from the businessy end to the practical, so that if the unimaginable happens, our loved ones can rest easy knowing that they are honoring our wishes. And more and more, we hear of people doing death in the aftermath in a more mindful way. But guess what, people? That requires mindful pause within your lifestyle to make that happen. Those pauses need to be integrated within your lifestyle. The be open to death fairy does not come at night and sprinkle magic dust on you while you sleep or give you a pass on actually meaningfully pondering these questions and making a plan. We have to make space to do it. Last night, I listened to a lovely short podcast called Julie, The Unwinding of the Miracle. Jot that down. Julie, The Unwinding of the Miracle. So you can search for it later. It's a story of a busy New York attorney mom who gets the diagnosis of stage four colon cancer. She's young. She has two young children, a husband, and she chooses to walk into the face of death, recording her feelings and process, not in a sugar-coated way, but rawly speaking of her desires and anger and fears. And I loved her perspective on how she was moving forward towards death. And I recommend you listen to this lovely story because every time you make space to listen to someone else's story, you widen that gap that will allow you to give our final stage of life the space it deserves. And that's what we're about here. In the meantime, the people out there who say, yuck, who would want to go to something that has death in the title? And yes, we did hear that about our productions. They all still exist and that's okay. As I told our last storytellers, the people who will be in our audience are people who want to hear these stories, not the people that can't stand to even look at the word death. So to that interior designer who I heard rambling on about how she buys books by colors, so the palette is coordinated, never mind their content, but she only has one rule. They can't have death in the title. Hey, give me your books. Give me the ones on death. I'll take them. I argue that if we live a lifestyle that consists of many pauses, contemplation, compassion for ourselves and others, love, and that we build a life around that, 
we make ourselves a little bit more accessible to being there during the inevitable times of strife. We can't run fast enough to beat death. And with fear of death being a common denominator in all anxiety, it is clear that many lifestyles are subconsciously created to avoid the difficult in life, the real, the hard. To always have the excuse that something else takes precedence over creating space to be with yourself or others during the more difficult bits of life and death itself. Lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, on Sunday, the 28th of July, from 10 to 4, we will gather at 116 in Fongare for a conversation called A Good Death, a DIY workshop exploring end of life. And it is a place where you can mindfully press the pause button for a wee while and ponder your thoughts on death and dying in a safe place with compassionate facilitators. You can get those tickets online on Event Finder. And we hope to see you there. Find us on the Death Dialogues Project podcast Facebook page. And there is an event there with all the links about this. Until next time, hey, give yourself a break. Build that into your lifestyle. Hey, and thanks for joining us. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us today. We'd love for you to get further connected with our project. You can find the links in the podcast information. You can also find the Death Dialogues Project on Facebook, on Instagram, and at www.deathdialogues.net. Take good care and see you next time.